So Michelle, we all know you have the best tips, but look, you can't possibly be everywhere to help everyone. That's where an authorized Disney vacation planner can be a lifesaver. And luckily for you, we just happen to know the best. That's Nate, of course, from Main Street and more travel. Oh yeah, Nate is the best. And with things changing at the parks, resorts, and of course the high seas all the time, it's so hard to keep up even for me. Well, that's not true. Yeah, but Nate is always right on top of every move Disney makes so he can help you have the best vacation ever. Oh, for sure. If you're looking to visit Walt Disney World, Disneyland, sail the seas on Disney Cruise Line, or even explore anywhere in the world beyond Disney, our friend Nate from Main Street and More Travel can help make your vacation dreams come true. No question, sweetie. And if you've listened to our show for any time at all, you know we're big fans of high-end experiences. And that's just what you get when you work with Nate. He'll give you concierge-level vacation planning services, but at no additional cost to you or your family. Heck, you may even save money if discounts become available because Nate is always looking to make sure you get the best deal possible. And did we mention all of this comes at no extra cost to you? That's because it's Disney that pays Nate for all that top-notch service he provides so you don't have to. So if you're looking for the best person to plan your magical vacation, just go to DizTripsAndMore.com, fill out the form on the website to get the process rolling on your next fabulous trip with Nate. And be sure to tell him Tom and Michelle sent you. Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, intelligent, very hardworking, early years of Disney loving wife and co-host, Michelle. Well, thank you, sweetie. Hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We are actually recording this episode on Friday, November 11th, 2022. It'll be dropping on the usual day, Sunday, November 13th, 2022. But we had to record a couple days early because I don't have the weekend off. So we had to fit it in wherever we could. (laughs) Did you realize the date 11 plus 11 is 22? Maybe. See, that's why. That was the original plan all along. It isn't a coincidence at all. That's what I was thinking. That's what I meant to say. Right. <laughs> of course, Michelle would have the best reason for us to record no, today. Sure. No, no. <laughs> Math geek. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, we would love it if you would sign up for our newsletter. Please sign up for the newsletter. Just a great way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. Michelle is doing a wonderful job (laughs) with the newsletter, and we think you'll really enjoy it. Hopefully. But if you have things you'd like to see in it or not see in it anymore, let us know. Yes. Now you'll love the newsletter, I think it's uh, it, it gives enough information, one, about the show for sure, but also about some other things going on at Disney. Michelle has added her Michelle-ness to it, <laughs> and it is a really, really good newsletter. I think Thank you'll you. enjoy it. Uh, another way to be involved with us is on social media. We're very active on social media. And you can find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> 
totally. <laughs> we, we, air quotes, invested a lot of time this week on Pinterest. <laughs> well, that's good because you can find us there and Instagram and Facebook at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. <laughs> yes, Michelle did. After I gave her so much guff the other day, she got in there and <laughs> Very put some, subtle, new, some new pins, some new pins on Pinterest. So we're back being active on Pinterest. Yes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, if you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Yeah, we love that group because we just enjoy how you all take time to share things and let us all celebrate together, as we say every week. Um, and we also ask if you're already a part of that group, please invite some friends and family to join with us. For sure. Uh, just, uh, just there to have some fun, whether it be, you know, Disney uh, adventures, but of course, just your life adventures, whatever's positive in your world. Right. We want to hear all about it. And that group is a great place to share it. Uh, also, we are on YouTube. Speaking of something that somebody needs to get caught up mm-hmm. on and talking about me in general. <laughs> Throwing I, stones. I just started houses. to get some work. <laughs> I want to hear about stones at glass houses after this week. But uh, I did start just putting some work together on that video of the Copper Creek cabins I've been promising for so long. So a little something got in the way there of me getting that finished this week. But hopefully next week I'll have that for you. Uh, anyway, uh, we are on YouTube. Just do a quick search for Hyperion Adventure podcast hit subscribe you'll know whenever we have a new video and if you ever want to contact us for any reason please hit us up at our gmail account hyperion adventures podcast at gmail.com that's right as we say all the time we'd love to hear from you just to say hi or to share any ideas or questions for sure uh that's just a, a great way to just uh be in contact with one another anything you want to suggest to us we'd love to hear your input and the gmail is a great way to do that that's right for sure so uh now if you want to help support the show in um maybe a monetary way but get some swag out of it well first of all let's just talk about our sponsor that you heard right off the top nate at main street and more travel definitely go check him out and get to his stuff because he is a great travel agent yes he is a sponsor of this show, but you will love his services. Yeah, um, and as we've mentioned in the past, he's just so knowledgeable. He has firsthand knowledge of all these, uh, of so many things that you could plan for your trip. So it's it's somebody who who's uh, walked the talk. Yes, he has walked the walk and talked the talk and walked the talk. <laughs> Will you let me say that again and edit it? No, I, I loved it just as I actually thought that was very appropriate. Uh, I thought it was very good. He does walk his talk. I think that was that was actually well said, okay. much more succinctly than I said it, for sure. Oh my gosh! So, uh, and matter of fact, this is we, what happens when we don't record on Sunday. That's yeah, what happens when we record any day. Um, actually, we were in conversations with Nate this week about a possibility because of the uh, Hurricane Nicole coming through, and we were looking at possibly getting out of here just for a little bit for uh, to try and get some, not, not necessarily worried about our safety, but more about for power outage issues. And they're thinking maybe Disney might be the place for us or maybe even Universal. Uh, so we were in conversations with Nate and we didn't work anything out, um, but um, he did help answer some questions. And so he's, oh, yeah. he's very, um, he, he's great at even just doing that. Yeah. I mean, without his input, we were very much probably going to make a big mistake on right. what we would have ended up doing. And so not only did we save money, but we also didn't get into a situation that would have been actually more 
uncomfortable yeah. for, for our son, Scott. So definitely, um, if you're planning a Disney trip, again, it, you know, you don't pay him. Disney pays him. Uh, Main Street and More Travel, Nate himself. Right. Um, you can find him at DizTripsAndMore.com. Um, definitely check that out for sure. Now, uh, other ways that you can help support this show and get a little swag out of it is first, we can check out our Spreadshirt shop. Just go to Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm not going to say all that. Just go to Spreadshirt.com. <laughs> Do a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. You'll find our page there. Or better yet, just go to one of our social media profile pages where we have a Linktree account. Click on that Linktree account and a link to the Spreadshirt Shop will be right there. And we have all sorts of items, all sorts of different colors, all with our various different logos. And we get a portion of everything you might purchase there. And you get to wear it, you know, around the house, around the parks, whatever. Right. And got the the holiday logo there and it's getting near holiday season so if you want to get yourself decked out or some possible gifts there you go yep uh, we've <laughs> already got uh, our holiday logo pajamas i think we might need to get something else holiday logo yeah for this year um that might be fun so we'll be looking into that uh, website ourselves coming up soon Another great way to get some swag out of and support the show is by becoming a Patreon member. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash Hyperion Adventures podcast. Pick the tier that's right for you. We have tiers starting as low as $2 per month. And once again, we appreciate everyone who's already become a Patreon member of the show. Yeah, you are truly special to us. And we, as Tom said, we appreciate it. We can't thank you enough for really helping cover the costs of, of producing this show. Yeah, uh, so much. Uh, thank you so much for uh, whether it be purchasing things through the Spreadshirt shop, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be, uh, you know, being a Patreon member. Um, we appreciate any little effort you've put to help, uh, you know, us fund this show. Exactly. For sure. For sure. Now, uh, before we move into this week's information, we always kind of like to take, look, take a look back at the week that was because, boy, it can be tumultuous <laughs> in any given week. And this week was very tumultuous for us here in, in, in Florida. Uh, but we always find these little gems that uh, kind of stand out during the week because, you know, we are the positivity show. We like to focus on the positive. So we like to focus on what our favorite thing is from the week. And when we do this, well, we always start with Michelle because, you know, she has the best lists. <laughs> she does the best research, as you're about to hear, and she definitely has the best tips, but she almost always has the best my favorite thing from this week as well. So, Michelle, what was your favorite thing from this week? Well, I think my favorite thing from this week, like you said, it was a pretty unusual week and very, you know, stressful for a lot of things. But I think um, having you here and helping keep us safe during, you know, a very difficult time with dealing with preparations and going through a storm um, was the best thing that happened this week. Um, Scott was really kind of having a, you know, difficult time, especially when the winds really picked up and the, the you know, power would flicker. Right. Um, but, you know, you were just such an angel there for both of us. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about an angel, but yes. I was uh, I was happy to be here, and that was my favorite thing from this week as well. Is that we just weathered a second storm here <laughs> in know. Florida, our first year. I mean, you lived in Florida, and you've gone through worse storms, but uh, well, not yeah. not compared to what everybody on the yeah, uh, not was, everybody was, had to deal with, right, with Ian, but right. you you had to deal with something very similar was, back a long time ago. Yeah, it um, was a, probably pretty equivalent to Ian. So. Yeah, um, but what we've had to go through here. 
um, was not in comparison to that. Right. Um, but um, still, having to go through within just over a month into two storms, mm-hmm. and for uh, you know our area, our neighborhood, um, our power never went out. Right. Um, I feel very blessed in that we were able to be together and be yes. able to weather both of those storms um, with the power staying on. Yes, Scott being quite freaked out, but um, still getting through it just fine, and uh, us being on the other side of that. Now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, another thing is. Uh, um, loving Andor, uh, another episode of Andor yeah. this week that was just super powerful and fantastic. Um, had to bring it up because it was one of my favorite things from this week that as is well. That's true too. Yeah, it's so sure. good. It it's really the is. acting in it, the story. It's um, it it's it's edge of this edge of your seat stuff right. every yes, single week. Yes, yeah. I was gonna say similar that you just you're so drawn into this storyline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's adult Star Wars. You know, George always said, and I I I've always been fine with this that Star Wars is kind of meant for like you know. 11 year old boys mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, or 11 year old children, uh, that it's, it, it's made for kids. It's right. more of an adventure, a space adventure. Um, this is very much an adult series. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is, I doubt that this is going to be your, you know, eight year old son's favorite, you know, star Wars, you right. know, but yeah. I, it may be yours as an adult. Exactly. Yeah. The, you know, it's just, it does, you, you need to have experienced some of the life skills to recognize what, what they're going through mm-hmm. in this situation, in the situations of the, this yeah. uh, storyline. Yeah. And I love both aspects. I love star Wars for being the space adventure that I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm loving Andor as it is, as more of an adult level type of drama. Right. Um, I'm, I love it all. So um, I think it's great that we have that across the board as well. And the animated and everything. It's True. great. So we did get a couple of, my favorite things from some of our listeners this week yeah. as well. I will start with Tony, the Disney dad. He said, my favorite thing this week is I bought tickets for the preview night of Disney 100 exhibit at the Franklin Institute in Philly. Wow. Nice. That's pretty cool. That is cool. He said, it's not till February, but we still are all, but we are all still very excited for it. So that's, yeah. that's very cool. I'd be excited well, I was too. Say, we're not jealous. No, not at all. Not Maybe at we need to make a trip to Philly. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Um, that's exciting. Good for that you, Tony. Is, um, yeah. The whole family. Let us know yeah. how it turns out. For sure. Love to... Maybe we need to talk to Tony about that. Yeah. Uh, that uh, visit. That's cool. Also, we got this from Scott in Minnesota. He said, I have two favorite things from this week. Firstly, my daughter received a student of the month award at her high school for nice. the month of November. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. Uh, secondly, we went to see Black Panther Wakanda forever. Great movie. No spoilers yet, but I dare you not to cry. Mm. Well, Scott, I will not accept that challenge because <laughs> I cry just opening like the refrigerator door. You know, yeah, I mean, right. I know I'm going to cry at Wakanda forever. I've already heard that there's a good couple moments in there that are yeah. just going to wreck me, knowing what a big Chadwick Boseman fan right, I was. Right, likewise, so, yeah. Uh, I have no doubt that that is uh, going to be... Um, uh, uh, something that's going to happen during that movie. But I'm just glad it sounds like from everything I've read so far that everybody's really enjoying that yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great that it, they, they've, you know, when you have sequels, sometimes you never know what the quality or how it's going to be received. And it's right. great that this one is, uh, especially all things considered, too being received so wonderfully right got to figure out how how and when we're going to get to go see it here somewhere in the near future because that's a movie we've been excited about for a long time and hearing great things about it make me even more excited to go check it out very soon so 
Uh, let's go ahead and get on to this week's show. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including we learned some of the details of the reimagining of a classic Disneyland attraction. We'll tell you about that. And speaking of the happiest place on earth, we now have some of the details about the tasty treats you'll be able to sample at this year's Festival of the Holidays. We'll tell you a few of those. The list is too long for me to tell you all of them, but I will tell you some of them. But enough about all that. Let's go ahead and get to our main topic of the week. This is really exciting. Again, uh, coming up on the 100-year anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. And we started this last month, and we're looking forward to doing this series throughout the year, kind of counting down to that uh, 100th birthday of the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's going to be hopefully a lot of fun for people listening and for us as we're doing some of the you know, the exploration of the information to share. Right. And Michelle, is, you know, the best thing about it is Michelle is bringing more, more of her great research <laughs> to the table. I always learn new stuff from her every single time we do this. So Michelle, uh, we're as we continue this Disney at 100 series that we're doing, uh, what are we talking about today? So today we're kind of um, moving forward from our last topic with it. And we're, we're really kind of focusing on how um, the company, the new company was advancing or shaping the industry um, and kind of like the early decades uh, of the, the company. And so there are many things we can agree that Walt Disney was a pioneer um, and we're not going to cover all of them. Um, not today. Not today. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> That'll but, be a really long episode. Yes. And a lot of this topic really came to light through shows on Disney Plus and, you know, some of our past deep dives, mm-hmm. you know. So um, we don't want to be redundant and give info that you've already possibly heard about it. So that kind of was my self-imposed challenge of not being redundant. So let's see how we did. And you all can be the judge. Right. And you can always go back to some of our past episodes for some of this stuff that Michelle has talked about in the past. Yeah. Fill in the blanks. Yes, absolutely. So, okay. I can't wait to hear all this. All right. Thanks. All right. So for the second uh, in our series, uh, as I mentioned, we're looking at the shaping and advancing of the industry, but it will also going to include some information about merchandising since that ultimately also plays a big impact on getting greater devotion to the company and obviously getting some funding to help new technologies. I don't think Disney has ever known a thing about merchandising. I don't know where, <laughs> where you're coming this from. Well, we're going to be looking at how how it began. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so, um, you know, we talked in also in, in the past how Walt was pioneering the bringing together the worlds of live action and animation in the Laughograms and the Alice series. And so that's, you know, obviously one of the great examples of his pioneering spirit in storytelling. So today we're going to start out with another segment and talk about sound. And um, so, honey, can you think of what early Mickey Mouse film do we most associate with the use of sound? Steamboat Willie. You've got it. That's right. So Steamboat Willie, it wasn't Walt's first attempt, nor his second. 
at getting the now very famous Mickey Mouse distributed. Um, in fact, Walt reported once that uh, a rather uh, unpleasant distributor told him, they don't know you and they don't know your mouse. <laughs> but the third time was a charm. And so Steamboat Willie premiered on November 18th 1928 in New York Colony Theater, and it was one of the very first cartoons that successfully utilized synchronized sound. And uh, Walt actually received $1,000 for a two-week run, and that was the highest amount ever paid for a cartoon on Broadway. So that, it saved the company and a star was born. Yes, absolutely. $1,000. Hey, that's good money back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, you know, and and we could get in again, there's been a lot of talk about Steamboat Willie and sound and synchronized sound. So I'm not going to get into it. But obviously, we saw that Walt knew sound was going to be an important part of storytelling. And it's really what changed from the first two shorts that, you know, and and we've seen them, you know, like with... um, Playing crazy. Playing crazy, yeah. Um, You know, and, and, and how he was trying to use you know, historic figures into storytelling, but it just, with people not knowing Mickey and without, you know, the enhancement with sound, it really didn't seem to be able to be, you know, catch the eye of distributors. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, there is something to that. I mean, I, you know, we, we use more senses uh, when you're in there. If, right. you're, if you can add in, yes, of course, the visual that is going on, but then you add in the fun of some of the sounds that he would get on Steamboat Willie. You oh, know, yeah. just the, the just the horn itself, the uh, the air horn right, on, on the right. boat. Um, it, it was enough to you know just kind of bring you into the and and, and make you believe, even though it's obviously a drawing that's right. going across the screen, make you believe because exactly. you're hearing this as well that you're within this story. Right, right, definitely. I mean, you know, if you. One, if you go back and watch Steamboat Willie and pay attention to the use of sound, it's like every gag thing was really punctuated mm-hmm. by the use of sound, you know, and that you couldn't have done that same film the same way with that same story without sound. Right. It, it I just, agree. It wouldn't have. It Completely. Wouldn't, it wouldn't have really, you know, it, taken it punctuates off. everything right. that happens on the on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. So if they were trying to tell that story without sound, it would have had to be very different right you know so okay so now let's shift to color and the use of color so um you know again walt was pretty much the pioneer in this because actually it was something he was determined he wanted to add to his productions you know um so in the early 1930s black and white film was pretty much still very dominant um and mainly because the attempts of of producing color on screen just really wasn't ideal. Um, they, they really couldn't get the color to feel lifelike. Um, and there was a journalist, um, Pete Martin, who interviewed Walt. And Walt said, I had always been interested in color, but the color of the film at the time was not too good. It hadn't met with too much success as the, the- in the theaters because there was a certain blurry quality to it. So... You know, Walt knew he didn't want to just add color for the sake of adding color because it the he still wanted a quality product. Mm-hmm. But when Technicolor introduced a process that had three separate rolls of film, one for red, green, and blue, 
and combined into one image, then the result was a very vibrant color and, and one that definitely Walt felt would be the process that he could use for his films. Mm -hmm. Now in Technicolor. Exactly. So um, now, although the company did have uh, more solid financial resources because their distributor partner was now United Artists or UA, um, the consideration of putting color into film was still, you know, considered a financial risk, you know, with, with, with the film industry, things weren't moving that quickly. So, you know, it was like, do, do we really need color? Is this the time or whatever? But Walt really was determined to do this. So, um, you know, but what he did do that I thought was an interesting thing is he, he decided he wasn't going to use color first with Mickey Mouse, even though Mickey was, you know, the star, the star already. He, he was very, you know, wanting to be very cautious with Mickey. So instead, he, um, he decided to experiment with color with the silly symphonies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so specifically one that was entitled flowers and trees and it came out in uh, 1932. Now there's a historian, Michael Barrier, who wrote flowers and trees was the first film anyone made in three strip technicolor. Although Disney had begun making it as a black and white cartoon, he ordered the change to color after the cartoon had already been shot. Mm. And it's just because Walt really felt it was going to be that phenomenal, that important that it was worthy to do that, to redo it. Now they used some of the cells. They just kind of washed out some of the black and white stuff so that they were able to use some of the, you know, the foundation not Without to adding to, too much time and right, expense. But they did have to. But now it's funny you talk about expense because one would think, okay, well, you're just buying red, green, and blue paint. But actually, it really meant revamping the supplies in the ink and paint department mm. of the studio. Um, and not just, like I said, not just acquiring color, the, you know, that th those three colors, but Walt wanted to make sure that the right color combination was used, especially in this first film. So they ended up doing multiple screen tests mm. over weeks, trying different color combinations. Um, it, to the point where even Roy was concerned, <laughs> should they be doing this? Um, and I, and I also read, you know, and again, I get a lot of my information from the Walt Disney family museum that Lillian was also pretty worried about this because seeing that how much money was going in just for the testing and the preliminary, getting it ready to, to shoot that is this going to be, you know, is everybody concerned because this might not, not fly, but right. anyways, um, but in, in, into the fact I wanted to bring the, I saw this and it was funny that Walt called the effort of making sure Roy w and UA was on board that he said, this was the greatest campaign persuasion of his life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He had a lot of that. So I know it's pretty impressive, but lo and behold, really fortunate to Walt was theater owner, Sid Groman viewed a, a portion of the film. It wasn't quite complete yet. And he, reportedly he was elated. So honey, where do you think the film premiered? I'm going to go with Groman's Chinese theater um, since it was Sid Groman. Right <laughs> That's was, right. Yeah. That's right. So, I mean, pretty prestigious way to introduce color in a film and associated with the Walt Disney Company. Mm -hmm. 
So the use of color to reshape the industry like sound was not just kind of to add this new fad or, you know, try to entice moviegoers, but it really provided Walt and his, his animators with a new way of storytelling and connecting more viscerally with the audience. In fact, that's what um, they said, Sid Grohman said, this is a, I, I'm having a visceral emotional attachment to watching this in color yeah I can, I can understand that especially if you've never seen anything like it it, it had to be yeah. you know again uh using all your senses but you know adding color to that so you're visually not it doesn't it when you're looking at black and white obviously it's different when you look at it in real life right right but then when you see color on the screen with something you've never seen before even though it's animated it's got to really pop to you exactly and, uh, and make it and take you into this alternate reality that's in front of you right i mean interestingly and i'm not sure i understood all the components of this um in terms of black and white animation but it seemed like what they were saying is a lot of times in black and white they would have to animate something kind of like repetitively in in this article for example gave the example gave an example of um animating like fire and it was almost like you know comical like this black and white but you had to do it in a way to repeat it so people could oh yeah it's it's a spark of you know a little flame or something like that but when you could add the different colors of the hue to make it look fire like right. then it it just you could connect with it Totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, from the core, in other words. So now the incredible thing, I guess if you want to call this a fun fact, I thought it was a fun fact that that November, Flower and Trees became the first cartoon to win an Academy Award. Wow. I know. So talk about leading the industry. Well, it sounds like definitely warranted. I mean, the first thing, first film in color, um, to be on the screen and then to, to put that effort in and yeah, first make cartoon, that yeah, first yeah, cartoon, right, in color to be on the screen, um, I, it totally makes sense as to why that would have um, right. ended up winning an Academy Award. And I, I'm right. sure it was a special Academy Award, but so yeah. it was for the category of short film, okay. and it was the first year that the Academy used that. They did like they had um, short animation, short film. Oh, I can't no, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. But they had three categories of short film. Mm -hmm. So it was the first one to, that was the first time they had the short category. Yeah, short film. Okay. Yeah. So, Very so cool. yeah. So here's a trivia question for you, honey. Let's see. Let's see how you're going to do with this one. I will one. fail. I don't think so, because I'm going to give you a hint, too. What was the first distributed cartoon of Mickey Mouse in color, though? And I'll give you a hint. It's one of my favorite classic Mickey shorts. And there's a nod to it in Mickey's Philharmagic. Hmm. Oh, is that the um, the band the the band leader? The band concert, band, right? Yeah. yeah. Very good. I think of the name of it, but I, I when you mentioned that, I'm like, okay, yeah. So good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> Bravo! You get points for that one. <laughs> apparently, apparently, because you're generous. <laughs> Um, and, I, and I'll just wrap up this segment here on, you know, some of the pioneering in terms of storytelling process. But uh, another fun fact that I ran across and, and it was verified in multiple um, sources that actually Walt was able to secure a three year exclusivity contract for the use of the new medium of Technicolor. Wow. Yeah. Right. So, um you know, he definitely 
had a way with individuals with his charisma to be able to secure something like that. Because again, yes, Mickey was a star by then or whatever, but it was this was still an, a fairly new company. You know, this was in the early 30s. So for him to get Technicolor to say, okay, you're the only company that can use our new, I mean, obviously Technicolor is going to want to produce more and get more business with this, but to say, okay, Walt, for three years, you're the only animator who can use this you're technique. You're the only one that we feel will get it right with our, with yeah, our product. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That is true. So, um, you know, but it, it definitely helped keep promoting this, keeping Disney unique and high quality. Mm, for so, sure. Yeah. Very nice. That's oh, great. Thank you. All right. So ready to jump into merchandising? Always. I love merchandise. <laughs> So uh, what the way this is uh, supposedly happened was that in 1929, Walt was uh, in New York for some business meetings and he was approached several times by a gentleman offering a business deal. And uh, Walt in a later interview said, quote, a fellow kept hanging around my hotel, waving $300 at me and saying he wanted to put the mouse on a paper tablet's uh, for children to use in school. As usual, Roy and I needed money, so I took the $300. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but really, Walt and Roy, they were really concerned about using Mickey in merchandising because they really felt they needed to protect Mickey because they lost Oswald, which was so important to him. And, in you know, that, that really, you could tell that played an important role in, in Walt. And it just kind of took the wind out of his sails for mm -hmm. sure. So this was, you know, obviously something he felt there was a need for, for financing, but how do you do this and still make sure you don't lose Mickey, you know, mm -hmm. cause that would have been a devastation loss if somehow through, through merchandising, he lose that. So, um, and Roy felt similarly And in, in an interview that Roy had, you know, decades later, um, he described the, the, their approach to protecting the rights with their infamous character. And he said, quote, we developed the merchandising to a point more from the angle to protect the characters, not realizing its money potentials. And obviously, you don't want to license them out to everybody because right. that's when it could get out of control. Right, you start right. Using Mickey on everything if you license it out to this random company and this random company right. over here. So you got to kind of keep that, you know, close to the vest, essentially. Sure. And I mean, it wasn't part of their industry that they were, right? They were animators mm -hmm. and they were filmmakers, not necessarily businessmen who had, you know, tremendous knowledge or ability to know how to market merchandising, Correct. et cetera. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So some, um, interesting stories. So in the early 1930s, the Lionel corporation, uh, which was well known for toy train production really was struggling during the great depression. Um, and an individual and, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about him, but his name was, um, they called him Kay Kamen. He approached the Lionel company with the idea of creating a Mickey and Minnie wind-up toy. Mm -hmm. And so um, the wind-up hand car with both Mickey and Minnie was produced both in red and green and came with a circular track. And within four months, over 253,000 units were wow. sold. Um, now, it accounted for, at that time, 5% of Lionel's business, um, but it was 
what was credited as saving the Lionel company from bankruptcy. So, um, and it wasn't just because, again, the money that they got from selling those units, but now they were associated with the Disney company, which already now, as we're seeing, and over the years, that's a company whose reputation has always been considered with quality and of great value. And I guess it shouldn't be any of a surprise that Walt would want to tie himself in with a train company, right? a toy train company, right? but still a train company. <laughs> well, and I was going to say something about that, but just to finish this one thought is that, again, it, the association with Disney helped Lionel to sell other products, not just the Mickey and Minnie, um, more successfully. But um, yes, you're right. Walt did have the admiration, so it's not surprising that the model train that he acquired for his office in the late 1940s mm. was a Lionel. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I guess I would, you know, I think, you know, if people are like the product, they're looking to get something Mickey and Minnie going on this track or whatever, it, it provides your company, Lionel Trains, mm -hmm. um, with name recognition going on right. out there. He's like, I'm, I, I don't know anything about Lionel Trains, but I like that Mickey and Minnie thing. Right. And then exactly. when you buy, you find you hear it's Lionel. And so when they start coming out with more things, you're like, oh, I know them. They're the same company that made that other right, thing. That right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, knowing that Disney company was associated with quality, they're thinking, okay, I'm buying a toy that's probably going to be good. You yeah. know, because I don't think Disney would put their star characters on something that was crap. Right. You know. So uh, the other interesting thing about, there were several things about this story that I found um, unique was one, the timeline. I mean, back then, of course, we've said this about the opening of Disneyland in one year, um, from when that concept was first produced to Lionel to months later, it's on the market. And then months later, it's already hitting mm -hmm. these record sales, you know, because they also timed it to come out with Christmas time sales and mm -hmm. things like that. So that certainly helped Very cool. quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Now there was another Mickey Mouse product that saved another company. Um, honey, any guesses what the product was? Mm, I'm going to go with a watch. You are correct. Boy, two for two today. Mm. Wow. You got your Disney trivia <laughs> cap on. <laughs> so or yeah. My guessing cap on. <laughs> So, yeah, in the early 1930s, the Ingersoll Waterbury Company um, was given the license to manufacture the watches. And um, and again, it, the company was close to bankruptcy. Um, and according to an author, Bob Thomas, uh, he, uh, he wrote Walt Disney, an American original. He claimed that within weeks, the demand for the watch caused the company to raise the number of employees at its uh, Waterbury, Connecticut plant from 300 to 3,000 wow. employees. And two and a half million Mickey Mouse watches were sold within two years. <laughs> I know, it's such a big thing. I mean, right? uh, you think about it, the Mickey Mouse watch is, is it's a it's a cultural icon. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and it all started, you know, and again, um, I don't know if there was an intentional approach of going to companies who were struggling um, or if it just happened, that's what it was. But at least for those two products that it really helped turn their companies around mm -hmm. by associating them with, with Disney. For sure. So now around that same time, the first fabric Mickey Mouse doll that was approved by Walt and Roy to a Miss Clark um, was was being sold, and the demand for the dolls was so high that Walt and Roy actually gave permission to release 
the sewing pattern to McCall's. And if anybody has ever done anything with sewing, you know, McCall's is a pretty big name for, you know, patterns for selling, you know, for, for sewing. So I thought that was pretty interesting yeah, too, that, cool. you know, it's like, okay, the demand for the product exceeds what the supply can be. So how else can we market this? Let's sell the way that you can make the product yourself. Right. <laughs> you we don't actually have to make anything. Right. It's just a, just a pattern. <laughs> there you go. So Knock yourself out. Right. You know, but as I mentioned, uh, Herman K. Kamen, who was called, it was referred to mostly as K, um, is the man credited to being the genius behind the marketing of Mickey Mouse merchandise in the early 30s. Now, according to Roy, he said, quote, K walked in one day and said, I don't know how much business you're doing, but I'll guarantee you that much business and give you 50% of everything I do over it. We made a deal with him. He was a merchandise mind fellow. He did a terrific job for us. Mm -hmm. and, and the numbers really speak for it. So Walt and Roy signed with, with Cayman for a contract in July, in fact, July 1st of 1932. And not long afterwards, within I think like a year, he became Disney's sole merchandise licensing agent. Now, Cayman partnered with the company. Um, it became one of the most successful collaborations in business history. Within six months, he doubled retail sales of character merchandise to $6 million. And by 1935, over $35 million worth of character merchandise had been sold. Wow. So that meant by the late 30s, the royalty income from merchandising exceeded the revenue from the film rentals. Wow. That's, that's pretty incredible. Right? Uh, yeah, the guy definitely was a genius with yeah. this. You that, know. that merchandising would uh, take such a leap forward because I don't think that it was, I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't a big thing for many of these companies to make this merchandise and, and market it the way that it was done to that point. Right, you know, right. In any of the, the film industry. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, again, if you're, you know, Mickey Mouse and a lot of, it, probably a lot of companies didn't think to, to include it in marketing, thinking it's for kids and, you know, we're marketing to adults, you know, if you're watch salesman, right? You're thinking what person would want a Mickey Mouse watch? What adult, you know, but hey, it was a hit. It was right. a hit from the start, you know, and, you know, but I love too how like the grassroots of somebody making a stuffed doll, you know, and that it became so popular mm -hmm. th that they're like, okay, we need to sell the rights to be able to let people make right. their own too, you know? Uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, some of that could have been too the consideration that some people might not be able to afford the doll, but could afford a pattern mm -hmm. and with some scraps of materials and stuffing, create something for their kids or whatever, yeah. you know, but, uh, but you know, like, so you know, kind of summarizing all this, whether it was intentional or by chance that, that Walt and Roy were introduced to ways to help advance their industry and their company. Um, one could argue either way, but what you can't argue is that Walt was masterful at getting the most out of everything. You know, he was a visionary on how to take these opportunities and maximize them to have the best product, to use it to make things better, not just to be gimmicky or gag to get, you know, to get people to, or to get the a theater. Quick, quick dollar. Right. Yeah. He, w he wanted to make sure what he did with those opportunities really elevated the quality of what he was putting out there. Really good. Wow. So. 
It's impressive stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that we all knew that this was the case with Walt. And uh, But uh, to hear the backstory of how it all happened, right. it's, it's really impressive. And Shell's research, always <laughs> the best research for sure. Uh, well, I love you. it. That's fast. I always learn new stuff. So thank you, sweetheart. Well, thank you. And I appreciate that. And so uh, I think our next... Uh, episode is going to be more on our next Disney 100 episode Disney episode 100 will be more on what some of the 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 fun things that are going to be happening over the year and uh, but then after that we'll get back into some of the grassroots so that'll be uh, coming up sometime in December right we can figure out a good spot for that but loving this series so far can't wait to hear more about the Disney history and some of the Disney future uh, what's coming up here for uh, the Disney 100 celebration and of course our Disney at 100 series. This one, all talking about reshaping an industry. So thank you, sweetheart. I always learn so many things whenever we do these, uh, these looking back at history, these research pieces that Michelle does. She does a fantastic job with it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And it's fun doing it. And, you know, it, it just um, makes me appreciate more and more the rich history of this organization. And it's just kind of neat to have this 100 years of wonder. It's that, pretty incredible. That we're, uh, you know, we're working our way towards it. There's going to be more coming up in 2023 from the company standpoint and well that's going to be one of our topics in in the future it's all part of the history of what the walt disney company is built on and that animation you know and how they changed it um it's just so super crazy to think about that you know walt was so ahead of his time in so many ways right right up from the beginning yeah we just keep seeing that with so many different Mm -hmm. aspects of of the the industry or or things that they've delved into so yeah very good. Very good. Thank you. Let's go ahead and move on to our Disney stories of the week. I just have a couple for you this week. And I'm going to start with, we learned some of the details of the reimagining of a classic Disneyland attraction. Uh, this from the Disney Parks blog. They said, we know Disneyland Resort fans have been eager to learn more about the in- uh, enhancements coming, I almost said enchantments, <laughs> enhancements coming to the beloved treehouse in Adventureland at Disneyland Park. Now, we are excited to share new details with you. Paying tribute to the original treehouse that Walt Disney and his Imagineers built in 1962 for the hit movie Swiss Family Robinson, the Adventureland treehouse inspired by Walt Disney's Swiss Family Robinson will return in a fresh new way to Disneyland Park in 2023. The Adventureland Treehouse will showcase boy, wondrous new environments created amongst the branches of a giant tree on the shores of the Jungle River, where guests will once again enter by the giant water wheel and follow the wood ropeways up, up, up the boughs. Here you will find fascinating rooms that the family in this new story created for one another. From the mother's music den and the young son's nature room to the teenage daughter's astronomer's loft. All things are fashioned from found objects, natural resources, and pure ingenuity. For those who would rather stay on terra firma, the bottom floor will showcase an, indige- uh, an ingenious indigenous, <laughs> ingenious kitchen and dining room, along with the father's art studio displaying hand-drawn sketches and paintings of each of the rooms. So it looks interesting, you know, that the artwork it is, is fascinating. Mm-hmm. They, they, they've really adorned or they're planning on really adorning these rooms within this treehouse. I think we had the discussion about this when I first talked 
with you about right. it. Um, and you were mentioning there's some things in there that weren't really um, like the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. But rereading that story, it sounds like they're trying to come up with a brand new story, just kind of with uh, Swiss Family Robinson is kind of there. Inspired this is, by. Right. <laughs> this is the Adventureland Treehouse, not the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse anymore. So if there's some things in there that weren't on Swiss Family Robinson, right. that's because it's not technically Swiss Family Robinson. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm wondering if there's actually something that's coming out or has been out that we're just not aware of, whether it be a book or something with a new reimagined storyline. Right. Well, I mean, so. I, I think the one thing we've seen consistently recently is that the Imagineers, when they're doing something, it's all based on story. Like when they decide to change something, they put, they develop this elaborate backstory right. as to why these things happen. I'll be interested to hear what the backstory is sure. to the new Adventureland Treehouse. Um, and, and cause I'm sure it, just judging from everything they've done so far, I mean, even just, you know, we're talking about um, top of the world lounge villains, Larry, right. how they, they had this story about how during COVID the right. villains <laughs> took over the lounge for months, you know, and you know, just kind of stuff like that. I find it fascinating in the stuff they come up with. Yeah. It does seem like they are very much embracing and promoting storytelling mm -hmm. uh it's good that they recognize that that's a skill set that that company you know has really um been a leader of and really promoting that in all aspects of their you know their business entities i i like it that you can take things at face value mm -hmm. but then if you want to be interested and find out more about why things are where they are where things are placed where they're placed within it right then this backstory comes into play and if you you know sure. you can be there and just be a you know casual visitor and just take it as what it is or you can be more involved in it and you know wow, that is there because this person within this story like this or we yeah. visited this place or whatever, you know, I think it's fascinating. It's also interesting how they're doing storytelling within storytelling. Mm -hmm. So like when you're talking about uh, on the, the ground level where it has um, artwork depicting what the father was imagining the, the house to be made of or, you know, designed like, it's like, okay, that's his story within this story, mm -hmm. you know, so. Cool. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I also like, I think it's fascinating that they, they decided to have a, a ground level of this treehouse right. that people can enjoy because not everybody wants to climb all the way. Once you start going up the treehouse, you're going to be climbing yeah. for a while. It's one, uh, one way. <laughs> yeah. On a hot day, maybe it's not the thing you're going to want to do, you know? Right. So you can still kind of enjoy some of this. Uh, maybe take a little piece of your day to go explore it and you won't have to climb if you don't really want right. to. I mean, right. or, highly or, encourage it, but you know, yeah. you don't have to do it to enjoy a piece of this new uh, attraction, right, exactly. reimagined attraction. Yeah, yeah, that, no, it makes sense. And then, you know, also too that, you know, if you want to check out something new, but you don't either have the time or the, you know, or want, like you said, you don't want to climb all the, the, the way up at that yeah. time, you can still really take a part of what that they're the story they're telling. Yeah, love what they're doing and excited to check this out when it opens up at some point. Uh, they said that they'll be sharing the opening date and more details about the new Adventureland Treehouse um, sometime in the near future. So looking well, forward good, to hearing yeah. more about it. Right. And it's good to finally hear what they're doing. I mean, yeah. I think there's been so many rumors and speculations of what's that it's going to turn out to Still be. Still would have loved it to be the Encanto tree, but yeah. uh, this is cool. Yeah. 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 So. 
That's awesome. Uh, speaking of the happiest place on earth, we earth earth <laughs> earth. Uh, we now have some of the details about the tasty treats you'll have the chance to sample at this year's festival of the holidays. Mm-hmm. Back to the Disney Parks blog we go. They said, "Are you ready for some festive fun for your taste buds?" From November 11th, 2022 through January 8th of 2023, Disney California Adventure Park and some friends of the festival at downtown Disney District will be joining in the holiday spirit with the return of the Disney Festival of Holidays. Uh, This festival highlights diverse cultural celebrations like Christmas, Navidad, Hanukkah, Diwali, Kwanzaa, and Three Kings Day through music, entertainment, and of course, what we love food <laughs> now i i'm not going to try to list all of the tasty no, treats that are going to be available interesting there. new things coming well up. that's what i'm going to do for you i'm going to go through this list and go through the new stuff mm. that's coming out so uh, if you want to go and see the entire list the foodie guy is up on disney parks blog and check it all out there's believe me there's a lot of great stuff there mm-hmm. that you're going to want to see i'm not going to even get to all the new stuff here i'm going to get to most of the new stuff um and uh, I'm not going to go to the downtown Disney district either. I'm just going to stick with the festival marketplaces yeah. within Disney California Adventure Park. But there is stuff there that you won't even need to pay for admission to if you just want to go to the downtown Disney district and get some holiday food and right. festive so stuff going this- on. You can check it out. Are you presenting this in your, you know, kind of like your favorite from your No, bit? I'm just going down the list okay. of new stuff, of new stuff. <laughs> Um, I, there was one thing that was kind of my favorite, or I, I figured i like, there was a list of uh, like the beer one has like 12 new beers there. I wasn't going to list every beer, but right. I, was, I listed the ones I thought we might try if okay. we were going. So, so cool. we'll, we'll go through that, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, I go through here, some of the festive food marketplaces here. Um, so I'm going to start with, uh, the favorite things marketplace. Here's the new stuff that will be there. First is a chicken tikka masala with cardamom basmati rice, lemon raita, cilantro, and garlic naan crumble. Mm. Sounds very good. I love a good chicken tikka masala. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh, If you like a cocktail, well, they have a churro toffee cold brew latte cocktail (laughs) uh, featuring Joffrey's Coffee and Tea Company Mexico Origin Blend Coffee, coffee liqueur, demerara, uh, cinnamon sugar, vanilla bean, and almond milk garnished with churro syrup, whipped cream, and chocolate toffee crumbles. That sounds very sweet, <laughs> yes. but it does sound delicious. <laughs> it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to more spirits at Making Spirits Bright. Uh, first is a non-alcoholic dish. It's Santa's Milk and Cookies Hot Cocoa. Nice. Inspired by the Disney Plus series, The Santa Clauses, it's whole milk with the flavors of cookies and cream and white chocolate typed with fl- topped with flavored whipped cream. So that sounds good yeah. for the kiddos, maybe, right. or the kid at heart. Uh, now we're on back on to what we will enjoy, like the <laughs> red wine flight <laughs> that has uh, Sebastiani, Cabernet Sauvignon, Kunde Merlot, and Alexander Valley Vineyard Syrah. Mm. Or maybe you're more of a white wine person. They also have a white wine flight featuring the Zaca Mesa Viognier, uh, Fest Parker Winery Chardonnay, one of yes. our favorites. Uh, Dr. Lucen Riesling and the Domaine Saint Michel <laughs> uh, Brut Sparkling Wine. So nice. uh, some some good whites there, including a sparkling for yeah. you. Very nice. Over at Grandma's Recipes, they have mm, this sounds good. Impossible meatloaf with mashed potatoes with classic gravy and crispy shallots or shallots. <laughs> if you don't want to say it fancy. Or British. Or British. <laughs> 
Uh, they also have a pumpkin layered cheesecake with layers of New York style cheesecake, pumpkin gooey cake, and graham cracker topped with spice chantilly and a chocolate decor- decoration. By the way, spice chantilly is just spice whipped cream, just so you know. Yeah. Make it sound fancy. <laughs> it's spice whipped cream. Uh, the If you want a cocktail, they have the hummingbird cocktail, which is bourbon, creme de, uh, creme de banana liqueur, pineapple juice, banana puree, butter pecan syrup, cinnamon sugar, demerara, and vanilla bean garnished with a pineapple wedge. That sounds kind of a uh, little bit like tiki, 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 tiki rum. You think? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, it's, not, it's different, right. but it's kind of got the, a little bit of that flavor profile going on. I guess there. so, yeah, because I was going to say, I, it, it just sounded like things like, yeah, I wonder who decided to, try, you know, how they came up with that decision of let's mix this with this and this, because it doesn't seem like you, the typical. Mm-hmm. Sounds good, though. It does sound I'd good. love to try it. Uh, they also have a blood orange palm limeade, which is pomegranate and lime juices with cookie butter and blood orange syrups garnished with a lime <laughs> wheel. Again, fascinating mashups there yeah. on that one. Uh, speaking of mashups, we're going to Mary mashups next. This is another one I would have loved to try if we were going to be out there. There's the turkey poutine, mm-hmm. which is layers of roasted turkey, sweet potato bites, cheese curds, and gravy topped with frosted cranberries. That sounds like a wonderful yeah variety of flavors in sing every single bite there. Do you think we can get Charles to make that for us? <laughs> Charles. <laughs> his cooking expertise has, has bumped up a little bit right. recently yeah. and his Canadianness, although that is very that doesn't sound anything like Canadian <laughs> poutine there, but I'm sure we can get him to work something on that right? for us. Yeah. Challenge on. Ch- <laughs> Charles, I want to hear nothing else from you except for challenge accepted. <laughs> we're talking about charles from the conversations podcast our good friend right um moving on there's a spicy apple cider margarita interesting it's a reposado tequila with apple cider house-made ghost pepper cinnamon syrup raspberry Mm. syrup and lime juice garnished with an apple chip wow that sounds like something fascinating for sure uh, moving on to holiday duets, they have the Southern Mac and Cheese, which is a Cajun-style mac and cheese with andouille sausage and spiced panko crunch. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah. I'd love to try that. little uh, cheesy, a little spicy. Yeah. I love it. Sounds good. Uh, they have the, this. Uh, is this a cocktail? And that's a non-alcoholic cocktail. It's the uh, Cylon Splash, which is Joffrey's Coffee and Tea Company Cylon Black Tea. With passion fruit juice, coconut syrup, and calamasi puree, garnished with an edible purple orchid. Nice. Yeah, sounds like it's tasty and beautiful. Yeah. Uh, if you do want something alcoholic, they have the Huckleberry Sake Sangria, which is Merlot, Sake, Huckleberry Syrup, orange juice, and cinnamon syrup topped with sparkling water and garnished with an orange wheel. Wow. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. I'm moving on to a twist on tradition. This is, again, up my alley. They have a curry mac and cheese with cilantro oil and crispy garbanzos. Ooh. Love curry. Love mac and cheese. Yeah. That sounds pretty it good. It does sound mm-hmm. really unique and good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also have the... These are all the new dishes, by the way. They, each of these booths has more than what I'm telling you right now. Right. These are just the new dishes at each of these booths. They also have the guava melon lassi, which is a guava nectar, rock melon syrup, nonfat yogurt, and honey garnished with cinnamon whipped cream and honey flavored cereal. Ooh, 
mm. honey flavored cereal. So like honey nut Cheerios? What is it? Yeah, is I know. Honey right? flavored cereal that Something they're talking for about. Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. Now over at Brews and Bites, again, this place has a ton of beer. <laughs> a lot of beers. A beer for just about every taste that you like out there. But we have very specific taste in our beers here, especially Michelle. She <laughs> loves her stouts. Give her the thickest, darkest, syrupiest <laughs> stout you can find on the board. That's what she's going to want to drink. So there are a few on here. And I got one for me that's not a stout that I thought I might try as well if we're going out there. So I'm going to start with, so I'm just going to list those here. Go to the full list. Check out all the beers there. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's one for you. Uh, this one, the first stout I saw in there was the Stone Brewing Imper- uh, Imperial Stout. I think Michelle has tried this yes, in the past. Yes, I enjoyed it. It's mm-hmm. a rich stout with notes of chocolate, coffee, black currants, and anise and roasted malts. Yeah, it's very good. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another one, I think Michelle will like this one a lot. It's the Bottle Logic Pumpkin Spice Latte Stout which is a French pastry stout with pumpkin, lactose, spices, and coffee. Nice. Yeah, I yeah, think that would be the one you would order yeah, right off the yeah. bat. I know. I know you love the stone, but I think you would go straight to that one. And it's hard to be over at uh, California Adventure Park, though, and not get the marshmallow stout. The marshmallow milk stout over yeah. at Avengers Campus. I know. It's very good. So. Very good. Yeah, for sure. You'd probably be coming out of there pretty drunk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes happens. Um, and this is the beer that I think I would be drawn to. I love a good amber every once in a while. I'm going to show this in mine an amber too, but I love a good amber. And this one is like, wow, this sounds fantastic. It is the Stereo Brewing Love Buzz Coffee Amber <laughs> Ale. It's a coffee forward, light bodied amber ale with El Salvadorian coffee, whole vanilla beans, and a touch of sweetness with aromas of toffee and hazelnut. Nut with a smooth finish. No, oh, that, that, sounds that sounds really good. Spectacular. Yeah. I, yeah. I really want I want yeah. one right now. I would try that for sure. I want one right now. <laughs> Sorry. Get one and ship one of those to me, please. <laughs> uh, back to some of the food at some of the other uh, booths here. At Winter Slider Land, I think we've got all new stuff there. Uh, is a holiday ham slider with cranberry bacon jam and gruyere on a salt and pepper brioche bun. That sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. They also have the brisket slider with smoked onions and horseradish ketchup on a pretzel roll. Not up Michelle's alley. She's not a big fan of horseradish, but I would like that very much. Uh, To the cocktails, they have a cherry mango punch, which is cherry syrup, mango, and peach nectars with lemon juice garnished with a frozen peach. That is, of course, non-alcoholic. As for an alcoholic one, they have the tiramisu Yule Log Cocktail, (laughs) which is vodka, hazelnut liqueur, oat milk, tiramisu syrup, and chocolate bitters garnished with a a Valrona chocolate powder. Mm. That sounds yummy. It does. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, over at Visions of Sugar Plums, they have a chocolate bourbon flavored tart made with Twix cookie bar pieces, layers of caramel, and chocolate bourbon flavored mousse. And again, made with Twix cookie bar pieces. Wow, very cool. That sounds tasty. You mm-hmm. get a little bit of that bourbon in there too, yeah. with all that chocolate and everything. Right. That sounds like a wonderful mix. Nice balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as a, now this is an alcoholic dish. They have a cranberry chai pisco punch, which is South American brandy, cranberry and lemon juices with cranberry and chai syrups garnished with a lemon wheel. And they also have a pina Hibiscus mezcal mule with mezcal, pineapple, ginger, lemon puree, pineapple, lemon juices, hibiscus syrup, and ginger beer garnished with a pineapple wheel. Wow. Yeah. Both sound very Very good good. and refreshing. Yummy. 
So like I said, um, that's just a, uh, as long as that list was that right. I just went through, that's just a small portion of what's out there yes. for you to sample. You should definitely check it out if you're in the area or if you can venture to that area. Uh, the Festival of the Holidays at Disney California Adventure Park. I know Epcot gets all the festival love. Right. Uh, but there's some pretty good festivals going on at Disney California Adventure Park as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. We always enjoy them for sure. And the, the Festival of the Holidays. We, we love um, the food, the entertainment, you know, such a, like you're saying, it, it, it's got a broad scope that, that hits on all the different holidays that come around this time of year. So it's really enjoyable to, to be out there during the festival of the holidays. For, for sure. sure. So definitely check that out. So that's it for the Disney stories of the week. Oh, does Michelle well, have something for us? You know, I don't know if this is a Disney story. I'm sure people know about it, but I, I feel like we've never, you know, we've talked about the um, overlays of, well, we did an episode on holiday of uh, Halloween overlays, but I know we've talked about at Disneyland, the holiday overlays like at uh, Cars Land. Um, this year at Walt Disney World at Epcot, they are also kind to uh, also having, I'm having a difficult time to talk. Welcome now. to my Spreading, world. Spreading, yeah. Uh, they're having an overlay with their newest attraction, the uh, Cosmic Rewind. Yes. With the soundtrack still waiting to hear what songs are a part of I it. Know. Is it is it just one is it just mariah is there se- are there several yeah you know we'll is see. it rocking around the christmas tree what is going on i know hear. i know uh, but. But yes that, that was announced a while back but yeah in case you didn't hear that um that is a good story michelle's story is always the best stories <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm fascinated to find out what that's all about. I would, I don't know if I'd say that I'd consider writing it again, but <laughs> no, right, not for that. Maybe, uh, <laughs> I would like to hear what songs they have. Yeah, I did, I, I'm glad to see that they're doing something, you know, especially with the new attraction and Epcot that, that has that holiday overlay. Yeah, and they also do the Jingle Cruise over at Magic Kingdom, right, right. and there, there are yeah. some holiday overlays there. Usually, a Living with the Land has. A little bit of a holiday feel to mm-hmm. it. They put some lights and some other things and, and some of the um, plants right. that they're growing there, some of the vegetables sure. and such. So uh, it's not like Disneyland has, you know, just the monopoly on the overlays. Right. Uh, Walt Disney World is starting to add, especially more yeah. during the holiday season That's as right. well, for Very sure. Good. So now that's it for the Disney stories of the week, but we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And we do this. Well, we always start with Michelle because well, (laughs) you just heard it. She has the best research. She has the best lists and she definitely has the very best tip. So let's get to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week. (laughs) You're just so sweet. Well, you know, if you have a Disney Visa credit card, you know how great those Disney reward dollars that you acquire from having that credit card come in handy, you know, especially for purchases at the parks, you know, and and typically that, you know, they advise that you take, uh, have two to three weeks in advance of your trip so that you'll have time to get the card out to you, to get the card out to you. Well, Let's just say your to-do list got a little mixed up, maybe, or all the chaos of planning it for a trip and it didn't happen. Well, no worries, because you can actually pick up a Disney Rewards Redemption card card at various locations at Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resorts. 
Um, you can go to the Disney um, guest relations booth and ask them specifically for which, you know, which locations they can help you with. But once you have that card, uh, you can get it activated and loaded right away by calling a, a number that's on the sticker on the card and uh, disaster averted. That's very good. That's a good, that's really interesting. That's, that's good to know because yeah, I mean, the first time you get it, you have to uh, make sure they know and then send that uh, redemption card. But yeah, if you can pick it up right there in the parks, that would be very beneficial to you in case you, you know, should fall behind on your to-do right. list of getting ready for your trip. Uh, but yeah, once you get that card, it's great. It's really easy because once you have your redemption card, all you have to do is it's like reloading a gift card. You just right. reload it um, full of your reward points uh, exactly. when the time comes. So we've done it many times, uh, brought it to the parks and, you know, just put, uh, you know, saw a lot of our account charges mm -hmm. right on that card. Uh, we've done it on Disney Cruise Line. We right. put Remy right on that card. Thank right. goodness, because Remy, <laughs> expensive. <laughs> expensive we're going uh, on a disney wish cruise here in january we're going to ashante believe me ashante <laughs> is going to be right on that disney rewards card exactly because it makes you feel better when, when you see that price that you paid for those restaurants <laughs> as exquisite as they are and you know value is what they are to other people you know um, I find that, that that's so good and such an experience that it may be value. Still, that is a hefty price tag right. to put on anything. Um, so when you get to use those reward points for that, that kind of makes it nice. Right, exactly. Yeah. So. Very good. Michelle's tip, always the best <laughs> tip. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> My tip this week, I'm going back to the festival of the holidays at the Disneyland Resort. And this kind of works for every festival, at least most of this. But um, I, we've gone through this many times, but I always like to kind of bring this out as a reminder again when you start going to these festivals and especially when you start looking at the food go with a game plan going in right. because you just heard a small portion of the great food and drinks that right. are available at the at the festival of the holidays and again this goes true of the epcot festivals as well you're going to want to know what's there and kind of plot it out before you go so you can kind of Make sure you sample those things that right. you really, really like. You don't fill up so early that you there's that one thing that you thought about. You're like, oh, I wish I got that, but now I'm stuffed right. because I've already had five dishes, you know, right, and right. I can't eat that as well. So if you plot it out, you'll you'll kind of have a, a game plan going, and and know if you're going multiple times as well because that will also play into this. Um, I, I I even think it's best to rank them, you know, and like okay, I want to be sure and try this, and I want to be sure and try this, and then if I can try this, and if I can try this, that's great as well. It, might, it makes things easier for you as you're making as you're making your way through these kiosks. Right. Yeah, I mean, and you can get the foodie guides, um, you know, from the Disney Park blog, and it could be a fun family, mm -hmm. you know, activity of let everybody you know, pick out their, you know, their top five-ish list or whatever or something. And then, you know, kind of decide and hone in on w what as a family you're going to make sure you, you enjoy. Right. So, um, yeah, I, that's a good point is getting the family involved. In it. And especially because, uh, you know, if you get more people involved, uh, you can also get a bunch of different dishes and you may be able to sample a bite or something off of somebody right. else's stuff. And you might decide, Hey, I tried their thing. I like that a lot. I'm going to go get one of those myself. Right. You know, right. Exactly. Um, now this isn't going for any of the festivals at Walt Disney world. Although I wish it did. Uh, but at the Disneyland resort, definitely if you're going to go and maybe purchase for multiple people, or you're going to be going back multiple times, get the sip and saver pass. It will right. save you money. If you buy on the higher end, of the dishes right. out there. It, it works out to about what a, 
uh, magic key holder discount would right. be at many restaurants. Again, it is if you're buying the more expensive items that are on there using those tabs, you get eight tabs for every um, sip and saver pass that you have that you can use right. um, to purchase most of the items, non-alcoholic, of course. Right. Um, but it real will save you money if right. you're buying a lot of stuff. Now, if you're just going for one day and you're going to try three things and it's just you, it's probably not right. worth it to you. <laughs> um, but if you're going with you, maybe if you're going only one day and it's yourself and your significant other or whatever, and you're both going to get four dishes or whatever, right. then you can split that up. If you're going multiple days, obviously you'll sample more than right. just three right. things. Yeah. So um, it's definitely worth it in that case. So definitely uh, invest in that yeah. if, if you're going and you fall into those realms. Right. So realm. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> sure. Sure. That's it for this week. Uh, as for next week's show, we're toggling between a couple possible topics. Mm -hmm. I think one's a holiday one. I think that's the one I'm leaning towards, mm -hmm. but we need to discuss that off the air. But let me just tell you, it's going to be a fun week, no matter what we come up with here. Right. Yeah. I couldn't even decide between the two of them, but I was leaning towards one more than the other. And so I'm sure by the time the newsletter comes out, we will have a decision made and we will so. know yeah. at that point. But we're looking forward to it no matter what. Uh, and we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there... We'd love for you to sign up for the newsletter. Please sign up for the newsletter. Again, you may find out what topic we're doing next week first just Before by signing up else. for that newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just a great way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. Other great ways is by following us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group. Right. And the other thing we always ask is if you could take time to give us a review and a rating, we truly appreciate that. Yep, it helps so many ways that we don't even understand, but yes. it does. We know it does. And we appreciate everybody who's already given us a rating and a review. Right. Um, also, we're on YouTube. If you want to find us there, just do a quick search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe. You'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. And we love hearing from you. We do. <laughs> we love hearing from you in every different way, whether it be through social media whether it be the Gmail account, whatever. We just love connecting with you. That's right. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week. Bye.